Good morning. It's so good to look out over this audience this morning and see so many here. We have a number of guests, and we're so thankful for that. We want you to know that you're always welcome here at the Midway Congregation. Invite you especially to be with us all of this week through Wednesday night for our gospel meeting. Stay with us this afternoon following our service this morning. Of course, as James mentioned earlier, we'll be having lunch and then the 1.30 afternoon session as well. But we are thankful that you're here. We are thankful also for our speaker this week, Brother Alan Webster. I've known Alan since back in college days, back in, I'll go ahead and say it, I think it was about 1986 when he came to Faulkner. I was already there when he came. And so that's about 30 years that I've had the privilege of knowing Alan. We became friends there. Appreciate him so very much. Alan is in high demand for gospel meetings, for lectureships throughout the United States. He speaks a number of times each year. And it's sort of ironic, we've known each other and been friends for a long time, but I believe this is the first time that we have been together in a gospel meeting. We had him scheduled at Atwood when I was there. Heard he was coming, so I left. So, no, I didn't do that. But anyway, we're thankful that he's here. He didn't get to bring his family with him. He's married to Melissa. They have four children, Rosa, David, Daniel, Daniel first, and then David, and then Lois. But uh, wish they could be here with us. They have... VBS going on over at Jacksonville where Alan preaches. Uh, that's going on over there this week. But as I said in Bible class, we're glad that we could steal him away to be with us for this week. I am convinced that thousands upon thousands of people will be able to hear a welcome home from our Father on the Day of Judgment because of the work of Alan. Not just in his preaching, if you go out and look in our foyer, you'll notice that most of the tracks, if not all of them, in our track rack are written by Alan uh, through his work with House to House, Heart to Heart. I've just tried to uh, quit trying to keep up with the, with the number that have been published now. It's like the McDonald's hamburger sign. It's billions and billions served is what McDonald's says now, but it's millions and millions of copies of House to House, Heart to Heart that have gone throughout the United States and throughout other parts of the world. People are reading, people are studying, people are learning the Word of God through the writing, through the preaching, through the work that Alan does. And, and not only among those who have never obeyed the gospel, but through polishing the pulpit and other great works that he is involved in, uh, many people are, are being encouraged to live the Christian life. So again, we'll have more to say about him throughout the week as we introduce him from time to time, but we're thankful that he is here, we're thankful that you're here, and now give your attention to him as he preaches to us the Word of God. These words were found written on the wall of an asylum by a man who was considered to be irrational. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the sky of parchment made, where every man on earth a scribe, and every stalk on earth a quill, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky." We could no more do justice to the subject of the love of God this morning than a child could reach up in the night sky and pluck a star from it. 
But even by trying to do that, he would draw attention to the star and would point one in the direction to see the star. So it is this morning that as we address the subject of the love of God, we'll draw our attention to that which we could never fully grasp and we will point a center in the direction of the cross where the love of God was made manifest to save a lost person. We have figured out a way to measure just about everything. You can take a tape measure and determine the length of something. You can take a set of scales and determine the weight of something. You can take a container that's marked and determine the cubic volume of something. An electrical meter can measure voltage or usage. They've even figured out how to measure the velocity of the wind and the gravitational pull of the moon upon an object on earth. But how would one ever measure the love of God? And yet the passage that was read in our hearing speaks of the love of God as having dimensions, as having width and length and depth and height. But how do you measure it? It might be like the little boy whose grandfather asked him, Son, how much do you love Granddaddy? And he reached out his hands with a big smile and he said, Granddaddy, I love you this much. And when humanity asked Jesus, How much do you love us? He reached out his hands and said, I love you this much. And they nailed his hands to that tree. The love of God is manifested for all humanity to see at the cross of Calvary. I read that passage in Ephesians 3:18 and 19 a lot of times before I ever observed that it was connected to John 3:16 and in the same order. Have you ever considered the fact that as we determined it, the greatest chapter of the New Testament is about the love of God manifested through people to the world? And the greatest verse of the New Testament is about the love of God, John 3:16. We sometimes call it the golden text of the Bible. We sometimes call it the Bible in miniature. It has been called a summary of the Bible. And yet this verse, John 3.16, though memorized by people who do not even know the Bible, and it may be the only thing about the Bible they know, and yet this passage has never yet been plumbed to its depth because it talks about the subject that is unknowable and to know the love of Christ which, is, which surpasseth knowledge, Ephesians 3.19. There's an oxymoron for you. It says to know something that's not knowable. Yes, we can know of the love of God. We can experience the love of God, but we can never fathom the love of God. We can never reach its height or its depth or its length or its width. We can see in those directions, but it goes in every direction in an endless fashion. But in John 3.16, we see those dimensions of the love of God, and we're going to study them as time allows. This morning, if you want to turn to John 3.16, you may be able to quote it with ease, but you might want to mark this passage as we go through with these four dimensions of the love of God. Let's observe first the width of the love of God in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. There's the width of the love of God. How wide is the love of God? It's as wide as the world. In Psalm 139, 
beginning about verse 6. Whither shall I go from thy presence, or whither shall I flee from thy spirit? If I make my bed, or if I ascend to the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or hell, thou art there. If I go to the Isles of the sea, the utmost ends of the earth, thou art there, even there thy right hand shall guide me. Where could we go to flee from the presence of God? You could not go to any place on earth and God not be there. You know, if you went to the Birmingham airport and you bought a ticket for the farthest destination that is serviced out of that airport, you got on their largest plane, you flew to some distant locale, you ended, you ended in an airport, got on a smaller plane, went as far as you could go in that plane, you got off, you went to the car rental desk and you rented a Jeep and you drove as far out of the country as you could go and where there was no more roads, you took out a motorbike from the back of your vehicle and you got on a trail and drove as far as you could and then where there was no more trail you left it behind and you began to hike into the mountains and then when there was no more trail you took your machete and made a trail and and eventually you got to an opening and there you saw a people that had never yet been discovered on planet earth. Did you know that if you looked them into the face you could say with sincerity and truthfulness God loves you. For there's no person stirring the dust of this orbiting sphere we call earth that is outside of the realm of the love of God, that is beyond the width of the love of God. Revelation 5.9 says, Thou hast redeemed by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. It does not matter how you divide humanity, every subgroup is loved by God. It says there that God, that Jesus had redeemed out of every kindred of the earth. If you looked at humanity from a genetic perspective or a biological perspective, a genealogical one as you go back and you trace humanity from the table of nations in Genesis 5 or Genesis 10, did you know that there is no group on the earth that's outside the love of God regardless of whether they came from Ham, Sham, or Japheth? Every kindred of the earth has brothers and sisters of those who are of our descent throughout the world. If you divided humanity linguistically out of every tongue, did you know that every mother tongue can speak of the love of God? doesn't matter if they could understand our songs, our sermons, our conversations, they have in their language words that express that God loves them and they can understand the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. If you divided humanity socially, every people, regardless of what culture one, from which one may come, you know, we live in the same land at the same time, and we speak the same language with those other citizens. But there are many subcultures among us. And when we carry the gospel out to different people groups within our culture, we keep that in mind. We represent the gospel the best that we can to help everyone of any background to come to the knowledge of the universal gospel. And that's just within the borders of our nation. But you can go into all parts of the earth and you find the same thing, different levels, different castes, different groups. But at every level, every caste, every group, every culture, every person 
is under the love of God. There's not a person anywhere in the world that would not be loved by God. And then that text also speaks of dividing humanity politically of every nation. Those nations who speak with a free tongue this morning, such as ours, are free to express the love of God. Those people that are under a dictatorship that forbids the preaching of the Gospel, they are still under the love of God. And if we can whisper it, if we can pass it in a tract or a note, if they can smuggle a Bible to read, they will read of the love of God under whatever political leader or system they have. For there is the width of the love of God. And you see that width in the Great Commission. When you take the various accounts of the Great Commission as revealed in the New Testament, you find that we are to carry the Gospel to all the world, to all the nations in the world, to every creature in the nations, to the ends of the earth, to the end of time. That's Matthew 28, 18-20, Mark 16, 15, and 16, Acts 10, or rather Romans 10, 38. That means that the Great Commission extends potentially to people that are yet unborn. And there will never be a person born in any, hub, in any hamlet or great city or anywhere between that will be born outside of the width of the love of God. So that when the Gospel went out, it went first to the Jew, Acts 10, and then it went to the half-Jew, Acts 8, and then it went to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 10, and then it went into European soil, Acts chapter 16, and then to farthest places on the map at the time, even to the Gospel that preached in that generation, Colossians 1.23, to every creature you see, the Gospel, the, the Great Commission is an expression of the width of the love of God. Now the, now the application is this. And each of these dimensions has a response from us. And what is the response, our response to the width of the love of God? It is to carry the knowledge of the love of God in our generation as far as we can carry it. To carry it to those who live under the same roof with us, to those who live on the same street with us, to those who live in our community, to those who live under our governor, to those who live under our president and congress, to those who are bordering nations to our nation, to those who are in the isles of the sea that are, that are close to the, our shipping lanes, to those who are in distant lands that we may have an opportunity to go and carry the Gospel to. In our generation, our response to the width of the love of God is to carry the Gospel to everybody He loves that we can. But number two, this text speaks of the length of the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There is the length to which God would go to express His love for man. You know, we speak of length in those terms. We talk about the lengths that a boy will go to win a girl's heart. Or the lengths that an army will go to defend its borders. And when we talk about the length of the love of God... We're talking about the degree to which God would go to save a lost soul. Your lost soul and mine. 
well, how far would God be willing to go? Would God be willing to send flowers from heaven to show us He loves us? Would God be willing to sacrifice a species of animals that He created so that man might be saved? Would God be willing to give up an angel in sacrifice in exchange for the salvation of humanity? No, no, and no. But would God go so far as to send His own Son? Would God go that far? To not come as a king and be worshipped by man, to come as a carpenter to serve man, to come in humiliation, unrecognized, unappreciated, hated even, arrested, condemned, embarrassed, rejected, and murdered in the cruelest way that men knew how to murder. And there for God's Son to be lain in the dust of the earth, rejected, hated, his, the sound of His enemies' jeers echoing. But then on Sunday morning for God to bring Him back from the depths of the grave, that He might live never to die, that He might be victor over sin, victor over the grave, victor over Satan, so that you and I might follow Him even to heaven itself. There's the length of the love of God. You know, length is, is linear. And if you want to look at length as relates to distance, if you wanted to go back in time as far as your mom would allow you to do, I, I don't know who the, the oldest person in attendance this morning is, we baptized a man uh, last Sunday. He was 87 and a half. He fought in World War II, grew up in a Christian home, never obeyed the gospel, and he, he became our brother last Sunday. He, he's sitting in one of our pews this morning. But he's not the oldest one in attendance there. Things are as they usually are. Brother Lee Holder will be sitting over on this side. He's 92 years old. If this, things are like they normally are, he drove himself to church this morning. He got his walker out and he made his way to his pew about three back. All things being equal, the oldest one in attendance this morning can remember back farther than anybody else. But did you know that the oldest one in attendance this morning was not born before God loved people? If we go back in our collective minds to the early days of this country was being carved out of the wilderness, immigrants coming from foreign places primarily for freedom to worship, freedom to serve their God as they understood He wanted them to do. Did you know that God was loving people in the colonial days of our great nation? But you go back farther than that. You go back to the Middle Ages, even in the Dark Ages. God was loving men even during the time when the religious leaders were forbidding them to read from the holy words of God. You go back beyond that to that time 2,000 years ago when Jesus was stirring the dust of our orbiting sphere. There was a manifestation of the love of God 2,000 years ago. But go back before that to the days of the prophets. They expressed the love of God before that to the days of Noah, of Abraham. God loved people in the days of the patriarchs. But you go back to that time when there was nothing and the voice of God spake and there became what we now call the universe and the earth and the vegetation and the animals and, and man himself. 
placed here, made in the image of God, as an expression of the love of God, capable to reciprocate back to God the love that He had first given to man. And even back before that, in that limitless expanse of time, we call eternity... If you could go back as far as your mind will allow you to imagine a million, a billion, a trillion, a trillion, trillion years as far back into that time as it's possible to think, you would not imagine a time when God did not love people. It goes back that far. Matthew 25:34, the foundation of the earth. Revelation 13:8, before the foundation of the earth, our names are written in heaven, at least potentially. Linear, it has a past. It also has a present. Psalm 139, I guess it's 16 to 19. Even when you were being made in the lowest parts of the earth, in your mother's womb, perhaps even before mother or father knew that you were on the way, God already knew you. God already knew you by name. Jeremiah 1.5 You were born into a world where God's love is all around you. You have, to this moment in time, as it were, swam in the love of God throughout your days. And the last day of your life, you will die in the arms of a loving God. Length has, is linear, and so we might go in the other direction. I don't know who the youngest is in attendance today. Maybe someone's holding a newborn somewhere in this auditorium. Maybe there's someone with a child not yet a year old. All things being equal, the youngest among us will outlive the rest of us at the world's sands. Did you know that the youngest in attendance this morning will never get to a day in his or her life when he can say, I've lived to see the end of the love of God. If this world stands a thousand years, humanity will never reach the end of God's love. You know, you project yourself forward to the judgment day that's yet in the future. I've been a W all my life, of course. So I've been used to being in the back of a lot of lines in school. But I do not fear at judgment day that there will be an angel coming down that line, A's, B's, M's. When he gets accounting and gets to the point, he says, okay, right here, somewhere before me, before the W's, he says, okay, this, this is the end right here. This is the end of the mercy of God. Everybody behind this point, there's no reason to stay in the line. No love of God will reach down that line of humanity all the way past the W's, X, Y, Z, to the last person in the line. There will still be love enough for the soul of that person. And when you think about it in another way, sometimes we sing, when, I've, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. When we have reached that 10,000 years or any number beyond that, we will never come to a certain marker or some kind of a memorial that says the end of God's love. No, it will go on and on and on as the ages roll on. You see, our response to the length of the love of God is absolute gratitude. How could we ever deserve to be loved like that? To use Paul's words, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. 
2 Corinthians 9.15. This text talks about the width of the love of God, the length of the love of God, but it also talks about the depth of the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave it His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. We speak of the depth of someone's convictions or the depth of his knowledge or the depth of her compassion. What do we mean by the depth? What do we mean the degree? What does this text mean then when it says, whosoever? It means that there is not a person, no matter how deep they have sunk in the degradation of sin, that has sunk beneath the reach of the love of God. Those people in Acts chapter 2 that had clamored for the blood of God's own Son when they cried out to the Apostle, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we have occasion as Christians to share the gospel with others. Sometimes you'll sit down at a kitchen table or in a conference room. You'll talk with someone about the gospel and you'll urge them to make a decision. And they may be hesitant. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's not even a lack of faith. It's a lack of understanding of the depth of the love of God. They'll say, You know, I appreciate the time that you've taken to teach me these things. I've enjoyed our studies, but you know, I've done some really bad things. I don't think God could ever forgive me. And I'm so thankful to be able to say to any person, as I look them in the eyes and I say, did you know that it doesn't matter what you have done, that God will forgive you, that God's love reaches down to that level of sin, whatever level of sin it is. And maybe you've told yourself before, God couldn't love me, but you were wrong if you told yourself that. You told yourself a lie because God does love you. If we had time, we'd talk about the love of God reaching down to us in our sorrows, reaching down to us in our sins, reaching down to us in our pits, even reaching down to us in our graves. There's the depth of love of God But as we close, we also see the dimension of height. That text says, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One of these days, God's going to say to His Son, it's time. He's going to leave His throne at the right hand of God. He's going to come back with all of His holy angels as far as close to us as the clouds. And He's going to be announced. He is here. Every eye shall see Him. Even those eyes that have never seen anything will see Him. And as we look heavenward, We look into the face of the one who died that we might be saved. And then we shall be taken up, up, up as the helium balloon leaves the hand of a child. We shall go up into the sky, up till we meet the others that have come with Him in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. 
There's the height of the love of God. What is our response? Our response is to share the width of the love of God. It is to be grateful for the length of the love of God. It is to be assured by the depth of the love of God. And it is to be filled with hope for the height of the love of God. I want to extend the invitation of the Lord. It's not my invitation. It's not this church's invitation. But it's the Lord's invitation. The next three to five minutes, which is how long it takes to sing a song, someone in this assembly may respond to the love of God. They may walk the 20 steps at the most it would be from the back pew to the front pew. And in that commitment, whether it be of two steps or 20, each step bringing them closer to the love of God, closer to their response to the love of God, and then based on their decision to express their faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, Acts 8.37, to express their desire to turn from sin to Christ in repentance, they could be immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins, where God will apply the blood of His Son to the sin of their soul. They'll go in a sinner, come out a saint. Everything they've ever done, said, or thought that they should not have done, said, or thought will be erased from their record. Everything that they did not do, say, or think that they should have will be as if added to their record so that they will, if they were to pillow their head tonight, never to arise to see the new day they will ascend to be with God in a place far better than this. Maybe there's one or several in this audience this morning who had forgotten the love of God, forgotten about how they had been saved from a loving Savior. They had gone back to the, the pig pen of sin. Their example had not been what they wish it were now. They've said things, done things that they shouldn't among their friends, family members that say, I want to be right. The love of God touches me in the deepest part of my heart and I can't hurt Him anymore with my sin. And so I come today, I come to start again. And with the prayer of the, of the righteous, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And you and I could participate in a prayer this morning before this service ends that would take a person's soul, as it were, and scrub it of all the sin stains that are found there. That's the power of the prayer to initiate the forgiveness of God in the personal life of a Christian. We could participate in that. Do you need to respond to the love and the grace of God today? Will you come? We'll stand while we sing.